to, uh, I would like to point out to you to please be praying for Shirley Young. She has cancer surgery this Wednesday, and it's a long surgery, like four or five hours. So please keep Shirley Young in prayer. Uh, and also, uh, with that in mind, Thad Krauts. Thad, if I don't do this, your grandma's going to stand up on the pew and point it out. Okay? But Thad caught his first touchdown in the game. Yeah. And it's not going to be his last. That was a tight end position, and tight ends do get a lot of touchdown opportunities. So we're real proud of you. So uh, that's the case, Bob. You're allowed to be proud of your grandson. Yeah, allowed to be proud. I know, I know. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 11, verse 31. Numbers eleven thirty-one. Let me remind you of something. I'm looking around and I see most of you are regulars on Sunday night, so I don't need to do too much re review but the people have been in the desert now for a couple months they've been in the desert now for a couple months and they have done nothing but complain and walk complain and walk walking and complaining it was pointed out that it was pointed out that the only thing that didn't wear out for 40 years of walking were their sandals miraculously I don't know if you knew that. I would like to pick up in chapter 11, verse 31. And there went forth a wind from the Lord. Remember, we're hungry. All we have is this manna, and we've cooked it in so many different ways. We're sick of it. We want to go back to Egypt and eat, what the, eat the food that, that they had for us. And remember... Even now in our past, when we look back on our past, we often remember the suppers and not the suffering. So, and that's what they're doing. They suffered terrible under the whip for all those years, and they, but they did get fed well, evidently. And now they're complaining and they're missing the good old days, which is quite a slap and insult to God. A slap to God. So, again, verse 31. So now, there went out, there went forth a wind from the Lord, and he brought quail from the sea. That would be from the western horizon there. And he let them fall by the camp, as it were, a day's journey all the way around this side, and as it were, a day's journey to the other side, round about the camp, and as it were, two cubits high upon the face of the earth. Now, not necessarily three feet deep. That would mean millions of quail. But that these quail flew three feet off the ground. And the people, all they had to do was knock them down, pick them up, and, and cook them. And the people stood up all that night and all that, all that day and all that night, verse 33, and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. 
He that gathered least gathered ten omers, which ten omers is equal to 100 bushels, bushel baskets. And they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. Uh, they, they were sun drying them. They, they, they did all the kind of things they could do to make it appetizing. But they ate quail, I believe. I believe that God gave them so much to choke them. To, you're going to choke on this. And then he's insulted. I want to say this in a nice way. The Lord Jesus Christ is not necessarily as tolerant as we are all the time. And he is sick and tired of the complaining that goes on. Nothing is going on in the camp, in the nation, that he doesn't want to go on. And yet, and yet, here they are complaining again and again and again, like little babies might complain. Verse 33, And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, before it was even chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people and the Lord, watch this, smote, killed the people with a very great plague. What was their sin? For complaining. Their sin was complaining against their higher power here. A great plague was brought upon them for the complaining. And he called the name of that place Kebathatadata. Literally meaning the graves of lust. Because there they buried the people that lusted. And the people journeyed from Kebratha la 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 unto Hazaroth and abode at Hazaroth. It was a 40 day. It was a, I'm sorry, a 40 mile walk through the desert with all their supplies on their back. It took four days to get there. And now, so now they changed campsites. And Miriam and Aaron, uh-oh. Miriam and Aaron, big brother and big sister. They're tired. They're getting tired of all the attention little brother Moses is getting. After all, they're, you know, they're godly too, right? And Miriam and Aaron, and this is interesting, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. And the word, the word in its literal language, spoke, is a feminine word, which means Miriam, big sister, spoke the loudest, and all, all Aaron did was hide behind her. Yeah, whatever she says, whatever she says. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. First of all, because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, I've had fun today. In between innings, Ida. In between innings, I've been studying this passage of scripture. Ida and I were watching the baseball game today. And... In between innings, I studied this out, and it could mean one of two meanings. First, that they're talking about Zipporah. 
his wife. That she's, she's from that area. And uh, the, same, the same area she's from has, has been called Ethiopia, Ethiopians and Cushites. So this, they could be speaking of Zipporah herself, his first, and his first wife. And, and, and if that's true, they've harbored resentment against his first wife, Zipporah. Now, now with that said... It is possible, going to other scholars, that they're speaking of a second woman, a second wife that he married. At that time in history, the only, the only thing that is forbidden, the only thing that's prohibited about marriage was you can't marry a Canaanite because they were the worst. They were the worst worshipers and uh, sacrificing their children, etc. You weren't allowed to have relationships with the Canaanites. However, at this time, they were allowed to do it with the, with the Ethiopians. So having said all that, verse 2, this is still Miriam and Aaron. And they said, that was the first complaint, we don't like his wife. Well, you know, if we lived by that, a lot of us would be by ourselves because nobody likes all of our wives, except for Bonnie, maybe. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Is he the only prophet? Is he the only one God will, God will speak to? We're people too. We're, we're worshipful. We're godly. We speak for God as well. And literally, they probably did many times in teachings. She was called a prophetess earlier, and Aaron was a high priest earlier. He, they hold those offices. But watch what happens when you complain against, when you complain against Moses. Verse 2 again. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now look, these people had an elevated sense of importance. Just of, of how important they are. After all, they're the sister and brother, the big sister, the big brother of, of Moses. And we can do what he does. Give me that rod. See if I can handle it. Watch. And the Lord heard it. The Lord hears all of our secret words. I believe these were probably secret words whispered back and forth to each other. We're, we're just as good as he is. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. They put that in there, one, because meek men are, able, are e easy to walk over, to have your way with them, to push them around. Moses was a meek man. However, he was chosen of God to be the leader. So that, again, is why it, it, became, it was a big sin for the brother and sister to speak against them. 
However, I found an alternative. I found an alternative meaning for the word meek. Follow me again, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very distressed, very burdened. That's, that's incredible. And God gave him a wife to help him with his stress, to help him with his burden. And he may have been, with, with all of the complaining, with all the criticizing, and after all, he's 80 years old, walking in the deserts with a million people behind him or more. They all want to be fed. They're all complaining. They all think they're smarter than him. They all think they could do better. And he's just breaking down under it. We've already seen it in the chapter before where he said, hey, I can't take it anymore. Take my life, please. Don't make me do this. I will have to speak with the Smith family and ask them not to target practice during church service. See if they'll, see if they'll turn the gun on me or not. Now, verse 3. Again, now the man Moses was very meek, whereas his, mom, his brother and sister evidently were not, specifically his sister. He was meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spoke suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam. And he said, Come out ye, you three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out. The tabernacle is a movable, portable tent. Almost the size of this room. Smaller even. Because it would pack up and roll it up and they could take it to the next tent site. But that's where they worshipped. Uh, that was where supposedly the presence of the Lord was. And he picked these three. And he says, come on out. I want to talk to you. And the three came out. Verse 5. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him. I'll do it in a vision. I will speak unto him in a dream. But my servant Moses is not so. He's different. He's unique. He's my chosen leader to, to lead you folks out of bondage. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, face to face. Even apparently and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall behold, shall he behold. He will see me. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? I don't think she was. I don't think she was. Again, I say this because of what happens next. A curse comes down upon them. Miriam is the one that is cursed. It's a shame Aaron has such a big responsibility and both times he was tempted to sin big time. 
making the golden calf, and here sinning against his younger brother. Verse 9, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. That's the portable church. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow, for speaking against Moses. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed. Verse 13, And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beg you. And sometimes beggings and beseechings are very prosperous. And we get our prayers answered that way. Heal her, Lord, I beg you. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed for seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days. And after that, let her be received in again. Remembering with the sin of leprosy, you weren't allowed to, you weren't allowed to gather with the rest of the congregation or the rest of the people. You were shut out of the town. If you had leprosy, your, your family had to often throw your food over the wall. Then you had to fight for it because there were others waiting to get it. Um, it was an amazing, amazing thing. Verse 15, And Miriam was shut out from the camp for seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward, the people removed from Hasaroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. May 20th. 1405 B.C., May 20th, they left the Sinai, which is where they got the Ten Commandments. June 20th, they left the quails, the camp of the quails. Now it's July 4th, and the spies are going to be sent out. Now, let me explain to you, God already knows when God sends the, sends the spies out, he's testing the people. We're coming to this in this next chapter. And he's going to tell them to select 12, 12, 12 of your strongest, best woods people. We're going to send them out into Israel. And they're going to scout Israel out and come back 40 days and tell us what they see. It's going to be a terrible, a terrible failing because 10 of the 12 are going to say we can't do it, can't be done. We just, we can't, we, we just can't. Yeah, it's there and they have, they have great food, they have great this, great that, but they're too big and we're too little. So let's get into this chapter because now we're coming up 
upon July, July 4th. If we were to skip ahead, we would see that that is when the grapes were the biggest, and that's when they, they brought some back. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. Now, 12 tribes, there's actually 13, counting Levites, but there's 12 tribes, and with that, they're supposed to pick the best woodsmen, the, the leaders of their whole families, big families, 100,000, 100,000 men. And it's, it's amazing what's going to happen here. So they pick them out, uh, those, those. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, verse 3, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And these were their names. Now, I, we don't need to worry about their names right now. If you look at verse 6, it says, Of the tribe of Judah, Caleb was chosen. Caleb is going to be very influential in the next 40 years. And if you look at, and if you look at verse 7 of the tribe of, I'm sorry, verse 8 of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshia, the son of Nun, which is? Joshua, son of Nun. So those are the spies, and those are the only two that had enough faith. It don't matter how many people there are. Sometimes some of our biggest failings are because we go with the majority. We go where we go where uh, the the largest the largest number of people are doing this, and we don't want to be picked on or made fun of. And that's really a case, a case with our, our kids. So many times we raise them right. You raise them right. The church raises them right. But when they get with a larger group of teenagers, they go with the flow. They go with the, ma with the majority. And in this case, and in almost every case, don't go with the majority. Stay the minority. It's always been true. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads. Verse 14, and there were their names. Skip with me, please, down to verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way, go southward first, and go up into the mountain and see the land what it is, and the people that dwells there, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what the cities they be that they dwell in, whether they be tents or strongholds. And we, we think of Jericho. It was a stronghold. It was a castle, fortress. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. 
Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes, which is our July 4th. So that's the time of year. Generally, if we can play around with the, the year, but it was probably about 1405 B.C. So they went up, and they searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehoboth, and men came to Hamath, and they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron. Now, Hebron is a strange, wonderful city. It's all through the Old Testament. They came by Hebron, and what year is this? 1400 B.C. The Egyptians claimed that they had the oldest cities in the world. It was their claim to fame, and they don't. Their cities were founded and, and lived in after Hebron was. We're going, Hebron, Hebron, we're, we're going to see this name, and already we've already seen this city come up over and over again. Hebron, where Ammon, Shisha, Talmai, the children of Anak were. A-N-A-K. That's a civilization of giants. David and Goliath, for instance. David and Goliath, and that's about the year just roughly, so you're learning 1000 B.C. But that, but that nation was part of the Philistines, and they were the, they were the, the sons of Anak. And history-wise, archaeology-wise, they have discovered beds that were 10 feet and 12 feet long. So these were very large men. We have to remember though, me with God is the majority. Us, with the Lord on our side, we should have no fear as David did 400 years later when he attacked, when he attacked Goliath when nobody else would. But history records that Caleb, this Caleb was the first one to kill Anak giants, men from Anak who were huge. And uh, he is the first ones that, in record to defeat them. Well, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan was built in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eskel, and they cut down from there a branch with cluster of grapes, and they bared it upon between two and upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and the figs, and the place was called the brook of Eskel because of the cluster of grapes, even to this day, which the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from there. And they returned from searching the land after the city. Nevertheless, it was a nice visit. But 10 of the 12, and by the way, the 10 that vote not to go, those 10 die real soon. 
they get a plague too. God, God has that button he can push at all times. And I, I think in the last days, it's gonna, he's going to use it a lot too. But what's going to happen here is the 12 are going to come back, show their fruit, show their grapes, their pomegranates. But then they're going to say, 10 of the 12, who were also the oldest 10, the, the wisest 10 by age, are going to say can't be done. We can't do it. They're fortified armies. They're fortified cities. We can't do this. We can do all things through Christ. There is nothing we cannot do, including taking, including taking Jericho, a huge walled city, including taking the city of Ai and Ai, all those things that are going to happen but not in Moses' day. God is going to take these unbelievers who forget how powerful he is, how wonderful and strong he is, forget how he has protected them so well, God is going to have that older generation die off because of a lack of belief, of un, because of unbelief. And the new generation that's going to come up He's going to take that new generation up the east side of Israel, cross over the, the Jordan River on dry ground with Joshua as their leader, and they're going to cut Israel in half. And they're going to do the central, the south, and the northern campaigns, and it will be theirs. And the neat thing is they also will get all the property, all the land, all of the fruit, all the wheat and the houses, they're going to get it all. As long as they do it, Jesus, God says, little by little. So it's still going to be there. Be a believer. Be a believer. And, and don't, don't, don't trust the majority. And I say this to our, our teenage girls over here. I say this to that. We only... Four, five, five teens on a Sunday night. Okay. And I, I just say you don't be ruled by the majority and don't be tempted by the peer pressure. I'm telling you, Joshua and Caleb, they stood their ground. They were outnumbered, but they said it can be done. Our God is so big. Let's go. And we'll see that coming up in the next, the next few weeks. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to bless this time. Ask you, Lord, to bless this time to our hearts, Lord. Lord, I ask you as we go into a holiday, Lord, give us grace and wisdom, courage, Lord, with our families, and rest from work. In Jesus' name, amen.